And the thing is, after all these years, I still look back with wonder. Hey there, Wonderlings! Angela Bowen here, the host of Looking Back at My Wonder Years of Wonder Years podcast. How's everyone doing today? I just woke up like not even half an hour ago. The sun is shining, but seriously, I didn't let that fool me because it's cold. I checked my weather app. It's currently 30 plus degrees outside, and it was like that when I got out of my job last night, too. I'm like, why is it so cold? I checked my weather. 33 degrees. Oh, my God. This is cold, but this is what we have to look forward to until next spring. I mean, well, we know that it's not going to be 33 degrees in December. In January and February, hell no. It's going to be more like three, but the sun's out. At least I can see that. That's nice because that kind of perks up my energy a bit. But, um... Yeah, today I'm going to be talking about Season 6, Episode 9, entitled The Test. This episode aired on December 2nd, 1992. While Kevin struggles to study for his upcoming SAT tests, Jack ponders quitting Norcom to go into the furniture-making business. Because this is what I, I really am interested in, the whole thing with Jack. I mean... I've never taken SATs before, but like I said in the Instagram post and the Facebook post, from what I've gathered over the years of watching teenagers on TV shows stress out like there's no tomorrow about the SATs, I can imagine it's gotta be stressful. This episode's got an 8.10, or... 8.1 rating out of 10, based on 114 ratings. This episode was directed by Ken Topolsky, writers Neil Marlins, Carol Black, and Robin Reardon. Reardon? Reardon? Let's see here. Oh, there's some trivia. The large poster in Kevin's room over his right shoulder is James Dean, Walking Down Street by Roy Chat, S-C-H-A-T-T. Kevin is watching Let's Make a Deal on TV to take a break from studying. Monty Hall hosted the show. In the final scene, Kevin prepares to take the SAT, but when the proctor tells the students to open their test booklets, Kevin's is already open. The seal is already broken. Just after the scene in the ice cream shop where it cuts to the classroom, in the top right of the screen, you can briefly see the boom microphone handle. Well, I'll look for that. Oh, we got some goofs. While Jack is showing Kevin around the new workshop. Whoa, he got it already in this episode? Oh my gosh. A boom microphone is visible at the top of the screen during the wide shot. I'll check for that too. While Jack is showing Kevin around the new world. Why is this goof on here twice? IMDb, you're not doing your job. Stuck in the Middle with You, uncredited, written by Joe Egan and Gary Rafferty, performed by Steeler's Wheel. I've heard of that song. That I know. Alright, now I'm going to the DVD booklet. 
the test, early December 2nd, 92. Jack is frustrated after getting a loop, a lukewarm, competent evaluation at work. Competent? What the fuck does, what? I'd be pissed, like, what the hell is this shit? He's been there for over 20 years. I want a little more than that. Meanwhile, Kevin, Winnie, and Paul, we finally get to see Paul because he feels like, it feels like he's been MIA since season six, episode one. And even that, there are only a couple scenes that he was in. I miss Paul. SAT prep. Can you identify the correct definitions below? Metamorphosis. A. Transformation. B. Integration. C. Resurrection. D. None of the above. I'm going to go with A. Pyrotechnic. A. Flammable. B. Automotive. C. Brilliant. D. None of the above. Pyro. Well, pyro's got to... It's got to be A. Here... I can't even pronounce this fucking word. H-I-R-S-U-T-E. Hirsut? Hirsut? Oh, hell. I have A sour, B hairy, C woolen, D none of the above. I'm going to go with... Uh, I'm going to stick with A and go with sour. All right, let's see what mine are. I got A for the first one, transformation. Two... It was not flammable. It was brilliant. Uh, like pyrotechnic. I guess. Maybe the pyro, like, with bright. I don't know. Um, and three was Harry. Dang it, I should have went with Harry. That was my first thought to go with. SATs, Jeff, 590... 540 verbal, 580 math. Kevin, 650 verbal, 590 math. <clears throat> Winnie, oh, she blows these guys out of the fucking water. Winnie got 725 verbal, 757 math. Whoa. Wow. What does that say about Jeff? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Jeff is a smart guy. We all have our strengths and weaknesses, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to different levels of study, different areas of study. As always, before I get into the episode, I always like to let you guys know, if you're new listeners, that there are ways to be involved with the podcast. You can like the podcast page, looking back at my Wonder Years and Wonder Years Facebook page. You can follow along on the Instagram page, LBOM Wonder Years Podcast. You can even send me an email if you want to talk about the Wonder Years and your favorite memories. You can do so at LBOM Wonder Years Podcast at gmail.com. And if you are a regular listener, or if you've only just been listening for a while, you like what you hear, you like the podcast, go to iTunes and leave a review. I'd, I'd love to get some more reviews for the show, even though it is, you know, ending in December, the podcast. I, I just, I love hearing from you guys and how much you enjoy what I'm doing. And 
I honestly am so going to miss this. I really, really am. I'm just looking at the older episodes. Like, when I go to IMDb, it shows, like, um, the season one, episode two. I'm like, oh, I miss this. I'm going to miss it so much. The earlier episodes. Oh. You know, that's why I'm kind of thinking, like, I hope that everyone likes the Growing Pains podcast. I know that Wonder Years is more of a dramedy, you know, drama comedy, whereas Growing Pains is flat out, it's a sitcom. It's all, it may have some serious episodes thrown here and there, but other than that, it is mainly, when it boil, you boil it down, it's a sitcom. It's made for laughs. And I'm going to have a fun time ripping on some of the characters. I'm not going to do it to the point of bordering on annoyingness, but um, yeah, I'm going to have some fun with this because Growing Pains was a part of my junior, or my um, high school day when I got really acquainted with it when it was on the, uh, the Disney Channel back in the fall of 97. So, okay, now it's time. Let's jump into this. I'm going to grab the quote here and uh, start us off. All right. Adult Kevin, narrator. One thing a kid learns growing up is that life is a series of risks. It's a cause and effect relationship. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Still, with the proper guidance, we learn to deal with the risks, and pretty soon we set out into the world, sure in our options, confident of our choices, until that is 11th grade, the year of decisions. Around the middle of junior year, the risks increase. Almost overnight, the choices get harder. One guess why. The scholastic aptitude test, the living nightmare of American adolescence. Like some kind of biblical curse, the SATs had descended on our class, reducing even the most intelligent among us to a state of flop sweats. Let me guess, he's referring to Paul, right? <laughs> All right, we get through this pupulent intro here. Okay, well, the episode opens with a cute home movie flashback of young Kem Kevin. Looks like he's on, um, like the jungle gym or something at a park. So, Kevin kind of narrates the whole thing of oh, the quote that I was saying. Guys, sorry, I'm being a little rough here right now. As Kevin's, uh, little Kevin's going down the slide and Norma's at the bottom with their arms open, ready to catch him. It's so adorable. And even though I did do the quote, I want to play the narration because I can never do it as good as Daniel Stern does. He's just, something about him is just, it's so good. And it's almost like we've come to think like, yeah, adult Kevin is Daniel Stern. If there's one thing every kid learns growing up, it's that life is a series of risks. <laughs> cause and effect relationship. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. Still, with the proper guidance, we learn to deal with the risks. And pretty soon, we set out into the world, sure in our options, confident of our choices. Until that is. 
So, Kevin and his classmates are sitting in 11th grade. I don't know what fucking class this is supposed to be. Maybe it's SAT prep class or something like that. And we've seen this teacher before. Maybe he might teach, like, history or government or something. But the um, three questions that have the multiple choice, A, B, C, or D, or none of the above, are up on the board. And those are the ones that are in the DVD booklet. So the teacher, whose name I'm not sure of, the first word up on the board is metamorphosis, or the first one he points to. We have A, transformation, and then C is resurrection, and I think B might be interpretation or something, and then D, of course, is none of the above. Metamorphosis. It's transformation. Think of the butterfly. Think of the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. I'm thinking of Fox and the Hound here. Of course, that movie did not come out until, like, 1981, so this was, um, ways off. So he asks any of the kids, like, anyone here, and Randy, of course, raises his hand. Randy has made it through, I think, um, season two all the way through season six, which is interesting because Kevin's had, you know, other friends here and there. But Randy is the one that is, I mean, you got your main man, Paul, but then Kevin had, like, Doug and, you know, some other people, but Randy was the one, he's like, there's something about that actor, I guess, that the, the, the creators liked that they wanted to keep him around for the duration. I mean, he's not in every single episode, but he's in a lot, quite a bit of them. Oh, integration is B. Not, what the hell did I say? Interpretation? I don't fucking know. Randy's like, B, C, no, uh, D. Ugh. And the guy just looks at him like he's a fucking idiot. It's like, uh, it's A, dum-dum. Oh my god. Metamorphosis does not mean integration. It doesn't mean resurrection. And it sure as heck does not mean D, all, none of the above. Of course, uh, Jeff's gotta have his little funny snide comments, because he and Kevin are sitting, like, right next to each other. And Jeff's all like, I knew that. Kevin's like, yeah, sure you did. And I like how adult Kevin is telling how 11th grade is the year of hard choices, because that's when you actually start really seriously. You take your SATs, maybe your ACTs, and you're actually actively thinking about college. Because by senior year, you gotta have, like, you've already put in your apps to, to college. You're waiting for acceptance, basically, by your senior year. And uh, freshman and sophomore year is pretty much, I'm not gonna say, like, that's your lazy year to do whatever, because you gotta buckle down all four years if you want to get into a good college. It's not about waiting for the last, like, couple years to just buckle down and study as hard as you can because you want to play around your freshman year. But, um, yeah. A lot of decisions come around uh, your junior year. The, so the teacher kind of sits on his desk, and he holds out the College Entrance Examinations booklet. And he tells the class, I suggest you guys take this home and read it. Because you are going to need to if you want to get a good score on your SATs. 
So the teacher points kind of thumbs to the next word, pyrotechnic. A, flammable, B, automotive, C, brilliant, D, none of the above. I thought flammable because of pyro, like pyrokinesis or something like that. So uh, the teacher calls on Paul, and Paul, we know Paul is a smart, bright guy. He's very studious. And, of course, he is in a state of disarray. He's His hair's kind of like... Like Kevin says, like in a flop sweat. Like, he's just really, really stressed. His eyes are bugging out. He's scared shitless. Um, and he, Paul goes with B. And I believe the teacher says that it's C. Brilliant. Which I did. I don't know. I, I wouldn't have gotten that right. It's D! Damn it! <laughs> I was wrong! Well, I did take those questions at the beginning of the uh, podcast episode, and I only got one right. I remember, well, I remember, excuse me, um, when the teacher calls on Paul, and Paul is just kind of looking around, and Kevin kind of gives him the head nod, like, hey, go ahead, you can do this. And, of course, you know, Paul gets it wrong, and Jeff's all like, I knew that one, too. And Kevin's like, yeah, I'm sure you did. Just like you knew the last one. Of course, at this last comment, the teacher kind of catches on. Like, okay, Mr. So-and-so. Hair suit. Is that... How did I pronounce it? I don't think I pronounced it like that. It's Harry. It's Harry. <laughs> I would not have gotten, gotten hair suit. Harry from Hair Suit. No way. Oh, it's a meaning. It's not like... Okay. So A, Sour, B, Harry, C, Will, and D, none of the above. A lot of the times that none of the above is always... Or all of the above is always gonna get you. It's gotten me multiple times when I've had to take tests in school. They always trip me up. And Jeff is really like... Um... Hmm, let me see. And Kevin... The whole time is just smirking like, yeah, oh, you don't got this. (laughs) You don't know it. So I'm going to play this clip and you can hear Paul freaking out and Jeff struggling to be remain Mr. Cool. Like, oh, I knew that one. (laughs) I knew that too. Transformation, B, integration, C, resurrection, or D, none of the above. 11th grade, the year of decisions. Anyone? Yes. B. C, D. A. Around the middle of junior year, the risks increase. I knew that. Almost overnight, the choices get harder. One guess why. English comprehension. I suggest you learn this class. It's bound to show up on your SATs. The Scholastic Aptitude Test. The living nightmare of American adolescence. All right, next word. Pyrotechnic. Mr. Piper, would you like to take a crack at this one? Uh, like some kind of biblical curse. 
The SATs had descended on our class, reducing even the most intelligent among us to a state of flop sweats. B. D. I knew that. Yeah, right. I did. In that case, Mr. Billings, hair suit. <laughs> Can you fill us in? Educational futures had suddenly been pinned down to four choices. Uh, A, B, C, and of course. So the questions just keep coming as Jeff and Kevin are in the lunch line, and the lunch lady's like, Do you want jello or pudding? Wow, decisions, decisions. Oh, it depends. Does the jello have bananas in it or strawberries or orange slices? I'm gonna go with a pudding. Although if I took the jello and it did have the bananas, I mean I, I like bananas, don't get me wrong, but sometimes they just I don't know, they taste off. Um I could always pick that shit out. So Kevin decides to go with the pudding, safe bet there. And Jeff, meanwhile, is just like her suit. Who the heck? Who knows what her suit is? I just think it's some fancy schmancy word. Her suit. And of course the lunch lady's like, it means hairy. Like, okay, so one other person knows. <laughs> Which I kind of make, I wonder if they're going to make like a joke like, oh, this person knows what that means. They've clearly taken the SATs, yet they wound up as a lunch lady. Like, this lady probably has had a job she probably was a you know a homemaker in her life or something like that and she wanted you know kids are all grown up grandkids whatever and she wants something to do or she could be a widow and she needs to like try to make her own money so that's why she's a lunch lady i don't know oh there's a sign in the back that says corn dogs with a a corn dog on a stick with a face on it i can't tell almost looks like a half-deflated balloon on a stick. What is that coming out of it? Is that hair on the back of it? Choices. Pudding or jello? Uh, <laughs> her suit. Who in the world knows what her suit means? <laughs> Harry. Um, great. The truth was, potential failure loomed at every turn. Next. Not that it was worth losing sleep over. Oh, there's a sign behind Kevin that says, Sign up now for graphics class. And we see all these little, like, shapes and stuff on this uh, piece of construction paper. So Kevin kind of states how, you know, the whole SATs, everyone's freaking out, people are losing sleep. As we hear Chuck say, I haven't been able to sleep in two days. I've been tossing and turning. I don't like Chuck. What's up? He's always got gum in his mouth. And he's always twitching with the face and the blinking and the what have you. Oh, no, he doesn't have gum in his mouth here. That's a surprise because he normally always has gum in his mouth. He's like, <laughs> and Chuck's like, I wish I were dead. Jesus, Chuck? Drama much? So Kevin's kind of taking it in stride. He's like, what are you guys so worried about? And then, of course, Paul comes to sit down with him. Gosh, have we seen Paul with the 
Kevin since, I mean, since season six, like, sitting down with the guys at lunch? No, because it's either Jeff, Chuck, or Ricky. So it's nice to finally see Paul into this. I miss Paul. I mean, yeah, sure, Jeff's a nice breath of fresh air. He's Paul 2.0, but this is nice. I haven't slept in two nights. I don't know what it is. I just keep tossing and turning. I just wish it was over, you know. I wish I were dead. It was clear each of us was dealing with this in our own way. For me? Come on, what are you both so worried about? It was denial. I mean, just a stupid aptitude test, right? Maybe he's right. Of course I'm right. Are you nuts? This test could determine our entire future. What's that supposed to mean? Well, it means you have to score 1,400 this year to even be considered by the Ivy Leagues. And what college you go to determines what grad school you go to, which determines what kind of job you get, and what contacts you're going to make, and, and, and who your friends are going to be, and what type of house you're going to live in, and what the rest of your life could be like. Are you sure you didn't leave anything else out, Paul? Yeah, you got some pudding on your pants. <laughs> pudding on our pants. Metaphors we couldn't mix. Seemed like the stress was getting to us. So Kevin really doesn't think that it, SATs are a big deal. It's just a stupid aptitude test. But Paul sits down and he kind of breaks down what how important this test really is. Paul says, you have to get at least a 1,400 or over 1,000 on your SATs to even be considered for the Ivy League schools. And then there's grad school, and he says that these tests kind of tell what college you'll get into, hence grad school, hence the kind of job you'll get, and the house you'll live in, the wife you'll get, your kids, and all that. It's just... It's it's like, the SATs are, they determine the rest of your life. And Paul's eyes, which, okay. But Paul has, has always, we've, we've known Paul now for six seasons. We know he's a bit of a worry ward. He's one of those, he, he strives for perfection and nothing less than that will do. Kevin just seems like an easygoing, well, as far as when it comes to schoolwork, he kind of like, uh... He doesn't really let a whole lot really get to him. But now we get home and Kevin says that uh, like the tests at school aren't the only tests that are causing problems or something like that. And we see Jack at the kitchen table throw this paper down, which we learn is a review from Norcom. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. No, he's, Kevin said as we go from the lunchroom to home, seems like the stress was getting to us all. So then the stress over the SATs, Jack is stressed and most likely pissed off at this crap-ass review from Norcom. He's been there for over 20 years. Stress was getting to us all. <laughs> My dad included. Competent. What the hell does competent mean? Probably means you did a good job, Jack. For my father, the crisis was his annual evaluation from Norcom. You know how many weekends I put in there? You know how hard I work? I don't believe this. Which isn't to say the old man wasn't graceful at taking constructive criticism. Now look, honey. There's excellent right here. Yeah, 
for demeanor and appearance. Means a guy like my haircut. Honey, they probably didn't even give it much thought. You know how much they appreciate you there? The hell they do. Still, in my own way, I kind of sympathized with the guy. royally fucking pissed, and I'm not surprised. I mean, hell, if I got a review that just said competent, so what, that just means you know what you're doing? You do your job well? Or you're competent enough to know how to do your job? And Jack is just like, you know, you know how many weekends I'd have to, I have had to spend there over the years? How hard I work, and I, he's put in 20 fucking years! 20 years! I'm sorry, but I can't see spending 20 years at any place. Unless I really like the job. Yeah, just think, I mean, Jack's on the phone all the time, probably trying to find out where are these parts, they should be here. How much shit that he has to deal with, how much shit he's got to take from people. And Norma, of course, is like, oh, it probably just means you did a good job, honey. And he's like... And she go. He he kind of crumple, almost crumples up the review and tosses it in his briefcase that's open on the kitchen table. Norma comes around and like, here, honey, it says excellent. Like she's trying to like make him feel better and kind of boost him up, but it's like, no, he's on a roll. He wants to spew how how pissed he is at this company. Oh, the excellent is for demeanor and appearance. And Jack is like, well, the guy just liked my fucking haircut. <sighs> Give me a break. And Kevin says, you know, this is an annual review. He gets a review once a year. I remember the reviews I used to get from Goodwill and stuff like that. And they just, they go over, like, goals, like, from the previous year, what you wanted we wanted to see you improve on and what you still need to improve on stuff like that like <clears throat> going through all of that and like okay have you met your goals from last year okay you haven't let's still work on these but then we should also focus on this stuff like th that that's important to improve not just you as a worker but you yourself and everything like that so Jack mentions that this guy named Charlie um, up and just left Norcom after his review. He got a really bad review. He put in his notice. And, okay, so this is where we learned how exactly Jack got this factory. 
Charlie knows a guy who's looking to retire, and he's got this small furniture factory. And Charlie's thinking of buying the guy out. So I think this is what's going to get Jack interested. Jack's like, I've been at Norcom for 20 years. What the hell am I doing with my life? Yeah, it's like... If Jack hadn't, you know, done the furniture thing, he probably would have stayed at Norcom until he could retire at 55. He's only in his early 40s right now. And when Jack says, I'm thinking maybe I should drop Norcom. And the look that, Norma's got a kind of a scared look, an apprehensive look. Because, you know, Jack is the breadwinner. Norma's not working at all. So she, of course, is really flashing in her mind. How are we going to keep the house? How are we going to pay the electric bill and put food on the table? We have two, well, one son still living here because the other son is currently shacking with the girlfriend and the baby. So, yeah, it's like this whole time, Jack's the provider of the family. He provides everything, so Norma just has to take care of the house, the laundry, the food, that, that stuff. So, that can be... <laughs> Uh, one of those pull the rug out from under you moments. If you if Jeremy came home and said, oh, by the way, I quit my job. Do you want to know how freaked out I would be? Yes, we both work full time. But I'd be like, great, we're going to lose the house. I'm not going to have a car to get to my job. Blah, blah, blah. We're going to be living on the side of the damn road. Like, yeah. But this is Jack, you know, he's probably just thinking in his head, like, what are my options at this point? He's in his 40s. If he just starts over with another job, he'd start have to start way at the bottom, make a lot less than what he's making now. But I think Jack mainly is like, I'm tired of wearing the suit and the tie. I want to work. I want to be my own boss, which I'm sure in a way that is everybody's dream. Hell, that's my dream. I would love to be my... I, I would love to work from home. I would love it. And I hope maybe one day there's something out there I can do that I can work from home. So, Kevin is setting the table for dinner since it's just the three of them. He really doesn't have a lot to do. And the look... You know, he says that he sympathizes with his dad. I mean, because his dad has always provided for them. And maybe he's seen his dad... Now that Kevin's got decisions of his own to make with SATs and everything... It's like Kevin is like... He's got his head bent down and he offers, like, Jack a spoon. And Jack grabs it and, like, slams it down on the table. You know, he's pissed. He, he's working through his anger here. But Kevin kind of looks like... At his dad just kind of, not side-eyes him, but just kind of like his head turns in that direction. And we get a shot of Jack. And this, Jack's expression is just one of, I wouldn't say he's broken, but it's a pained expression as in, I don't know what to do. It's like, what what words can you honestly say to make your parent feel better? It's almost like anything you think that he would say Jack is going to turn around and, like, yeah, I get that, but blah, 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 blah. It always boils down to how hard I work, how much time I put in with this company, and this is what I get from them. 
that they only see me as just another body. Okay, so Charlie Barrett is the guy that uh, is thinking of buying out that retiree, buying out his uh, his furniture shop. Because uh, Jack says, well, he got a bad review, too. And Norma's like, Jack, you didn't get a bad review. It's like, Norma, I know you're trying to be supportive, but yes, he got a shitty review. And there should be more to that review than just competent, excellent in attire and demeanor. Deme- his demeanor? <sighs> but anyway, now we move on from the kitchen, and we're going out to Makeout Point. Kevin and Winnie are there. She's probably worried about the SATs. Kevin's probably reassuring her, like, hey, don't worry about it. Let's just make out. Because he's a teenage boy. And this is where the song Stuck in the Middle with You. Whenever I hear this song, and I've not seen the whole damn movie, but I know the scene from Reservoir Dogs with Michael Madsen cutting off that cop's ear and torturing him and pouring gasoline on him. I don't know if he lights him on fire. I didn't see the whole scene. Yeah, this is one of Jeremy's favorite movies, along with Pulp Fiction, which, that's great, but he keeps saying, we're going to have a Quentin Tarantino movie marathon. And I'm like, no, no, we're not. We're not going to do that. You can watch those movies if you want, but I don't want anything to do with them. I can't stand the violence. I'm sure you'll be like, but there's not that much violence in it. Like, I don't care. I don't want to see some guy cutting off one guy's ear and screaming into it. Can you hear me now? And as soon as Winnie's like, Kevin, I'm worried. He's like, about what? And she's like, the SATs. And Kevin's like, not you two. I just had to hear this from Paul and Jeff and Chuck. I don't want to hear it anymore. When he like, look, it'll be fine. I know you're worried about the SATs. They kiss, and then all of a sudden she's like, "But what happens after the test?" He's like, "Wait, what? What are you? What about it? I don't understand." And she's like, "Well, soon we'll graduate and go off to college." And Kevin just looks at her like, "Winnie, that's like a year away. Can we not worry about that right now, right this second?" And she's like, "What if we end up a thousand miles away? Will we still see each other? Will we still be together?" And it's like. 
I don't know. Guys, I don't know what happens after the series finale ends, other than the fact that Kevin and Winnie don't end up together. She goes off to France to study art history or something, and, and, and Kevin probably meets his future wife in college, so... Maybe they're together for their senior year. I really wish we could have seen Kevin's senior year or, and seen them graduate. But he's like, Can we, do we really have to worry about this tonight? And she's like, eh, I guess not. And they kiss. And then she breaks away. And like, oh, we'll still see each other at Christmas, right? And like, can we worry about that next year? Please. Oh my god. Because you know after they take, it, they take the SATs, the next thing is like, what are the results going to be in? Where are they going to be in? Oh my gosh, I hope I did good on blah 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 and this test, you know, and, and, and English and math and whatever else, vocab. <laughs> I, I mean, that's going to be very stressful because, like Paul said, that kind of determines the type of school you're going to get into. Because you know that Paul is headed for Ivy League. Because then he, he goes to, is it Harvard, I think, to become a lawyer? And Winnie kind of just leans her head back on Kevin's shoulder, closes her eyes. And Kevin's like, this one test was poisoning the waters, ruining my life. And he says, the only way to fight back. And then we get Norma, Kevin, and Jack getting some ice cream as Norma leans forward and she's like I want the pralines and cream I'm like yes pralines and cream yummy that is so yummy so while they're at the ice cream shop uh Charlie comes in so Jack's like oh Charlie what are you doing here and Charlie's like well I just thought I'd come down and get the family some ice cream you know to celebrate I see uh, in the back on the um window there. It says, Banana Supreme, three flavors, 98 cents. Oh, does that mean, like, three type, three different, so three different flavors? Like, you can choose either or maybe it's Banana Supreme, you can have, like, whatever three flavors you want with banana. I don't know. That's a good price, though. 98 cents isn't bad. And Kevin's kind of telling us, like, Charlie Barrett, he hadn't seen him since he was... And then Ke uh, Charlie kind of interrupts, like, Kevin, is that you? I haven't seen you since... Oh, you were six, I think. So Charlie asks Kevin, like, what grade are you in now? And Kevin's like, uh, 11th. And Charlie's like, wow, that means next year you'll be in uh, 12th. And I'm thinking... Bravo. Yeah, he'll be in 12th grade, guy. <laughs> you had to think about that for a second, didn't you? So Norma puts an arm around Kevin's shoulder and kind of says, well, Kevin's going to be taking the SATs next week. And Charlotte's like, whoa, oh, the SATs. <laughs> Good luck with that, bud. <laughs> so Charlie orders his, he was going to say, a uh, pint of strawberry. Like, oh, you know what, what the hell? Make it a quart. May as well live on the edge, right? Like, I got money. I'm rolling in it. So Norma's like, yeah, so Jack said you're leaving Norcom and you got all these big plans. So she said, wow, that must be so exciting. And he's like, yeah, definitely long overdue. And then he kind of pats Jack on the arm because Jack's leaning forward with like his dollar in his hand. 
to get, uh, you know, the ice cream and everything like that. And he's like, yeah, long overdue, huh, Jack? As he pats him on the, on the arm. And Jack, of course, just kind of, like, winches, like, eh, tight smile. Like, yeah, yeah, long overdue. Yeah. All right, I'm going to play this clip here because, uh, Jack, or, uh, Charlie just drops a bombshell. As he says, hey, Norma, what do you think about Jack and me here going into the furniture business? I would be like, if Jack were my husband, I'd be like, honey, we need to have a conversation at home about this bombshell that Charlie just dropped. Why the hell didn't you tell me about this? Why are you making a decision without discussing it with me? Yeah, this is a big deal. Like... And, and Norma's got to be shocked. I mean, if Jack actually went through with this, or is Charlie just suggesting, what do you think about the idea if Jack were to go into business with me and we partnered up for this furniture business? I'll have pralines and a cream, please. Go for ice cream with the folks. <laughs> yeah, this was some fun. Jack, Norma. Hey, Charlie, what are you doing here? Well, I just stopped by to get the family some ice cream, so, uh, you know... Celebrate. Charlie Barrett. I hadn't seen him since I was kept. I haven't seen you since you were six. <coughs> what grade are you in now? Eleven. So, uh, next year you'll be in twelfth. Yep. You couldn't get anything past this guy. Kevin's taking his SATs next week. Whoa. <laughs> SATs. Good luck, pal. Yeah, same to you. Uh, let me have a pint of, uh, strawberry. No, 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 make it a quart. Might as well live on the edge a little. Right? Yes, Jack told me about your leaving Norcom and all your plans. It must be very exciting. Exciting? Hell, Norma, this is long overdue, right, Jack? And there was something about that pat on the arm that said... So, Norma, what do you think about Jack and me going into business together? Actually, we haven't talked about it yet. Oh, I see. Uh, Norma, Jack and I just had a couple of discussions about uh, maybe buying this little factory. But, but you know, it's not really... We're meeting with the owners tomorrow. I see. Yeah, well, anyway, I better get moving. Uh, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow, Jack, on your clock. Unfortunately, my mother's concern didn't disappear as easily as Charlie had. Why didn't you tell me about this, Jack? Uh, maybe we ought to talk about it at home today. Kevin, I'll get the car. And suddenly, I had the feeling something big was going on here. For Mom, for Dad, for the whole family. And whatever it was... Hey, good luck with those SATs. I hear they're a real killer. This time... Thanks. I knew the answers weren't gonna be easy. Yeah, and Norma's look is of major shock and surprise. That was not what she was expecting. And she kind of looks at... She's like, I beg your pardon? And she just turns to Jack like... What? Honey, what is this? And...
And yeah, just like, well, I haven't really talked to her about it yet. We actually have a meeting with the owner um, tomorrow. And yeah. <laughs> I, I, and he. And, of course, Charlie realizes, is like, oh, I opened my mouth and shouldn't have said anything. Because he, he talks right. He's like, okay, thank you, my ice cream. Okay, I have to go. Jack, I'll see you Monday. Okay, bye. And so Jack is just left there. Like, he doesn't know what the hell to say. Like, I was going to talk to you. And he, he's like, yeah, you should have. Like, why would you make a decision like this without talking to me for Earth? Or any, or it's like that is a hell of a big decision to not talk to your spouse about. That is a life decision that you have a discussion with your spouse before making a decision like that. Especially because he's like, "Oh, we're gonna go talk to the owner." On my, and whoa, 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 whoa! Back up. Hold. Put that on hold for a second. Explain where. You were just at Norcom, and now you're thinking of leaving and taking this big fucking risk. Oh, my God. So, of course, the uh, ice cream man, he's like, oh, God, I feel so uncomfortable. <laughs> Jack's like, hey, um, honey, why don't we discuss this at home? Uh, Kevin, here. Because Jack's got the single cones. Oh, that's why he only had a dollar, because you got three cones for a buck. So he hands it to Norma, who I'm not surprised. I'm surprised she didn't like, damn it, I don't want this ice cream. I want to talk about this. No, that's not Norma. No, no that would be me. <laughs> I would probably overreact. Um, He hands the other two cones to Kevin, says, hey, I'll get the car. And the guy at the ice cream counter is like, hey, good luck on the SATs. I hear they're brutal. So my guess is the fact that he says, I hear they're brutal, as in, I never took the SATs. Now I'm working in an ice cream shop. So, oh boy. So now we're in class, and the teacher's doing that whole blank is to this as this is to blank. And he's like, come on, anyone, anybody, anybody, come on, guys, concentrate here. And oh, I don't, Kevin is the only one that doesn't have a textbook in front of him. Or is it that SAT, whatchamacallit thing? Like, Kevin says, as the SATs loomed nearer, our brains grew, like, smaller or something. It's just all this information and not enough room to put it or be able to let it fully sink in. So the teacher calls on Chuck, and Chuck is like, huh, yeah, yes, what? Huh, huh. And so harassment is to intimidation as compliment is to, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. As the teacher's waiting for Chuck to answer, Chuck's like, um, I, I, I have to go to the bathroom. As he, like, uh, and I, if I heard a teacher, I didn't authorize that. You don't have a right to go to the bathroom. Answer the question first, and you can go to the bathroom. Of course, <laughs> the class just erupts in laughter. It's like, this is so tense that you probably kind of, you need that break. <laughs> so Chuck leaves, and the teacher just kind of throws up his hands like, huh, anybody else want to give this a shot? <laughs> 
So the teacher calls on Kevin. So Kevin's got his notebook, his binder open, but he's got the book, which everyone else has open. He's got it underneath his binder closed shut. So Kevin just guesses uh, uh, B. I for a second thought I gotta go to the bathroom too. I thought he was gonna say that, but no. So Kevin got the answer right, but that's not enough for the teacher. He's like, ah, oh, very good. Now would you like to tell the class how you arrived at this answer? I'm like, oh, fuck. Uh, not really. <laughs> I just, I just guessed. It was getting harder and harder to deny what was going on. Mr. Arnold, how about you? Uh, at times like this, there was only one thing to do. Take a risk. Oh, very good. Would you like to tell the class how you arrived at this answer? I guessed. <laughs> well, you were wrong. Oh, he's wrong. I knew that. Alright, let's uh, start with another one. Uh, annoy is too irate as one thing was clear. It was time to buckle down and dive in. After all. Oh, I guess Kevin was wrong, because Kevin said, I guessed. And the teacher's like, well, that's a shame, because you're wrong. I'm like, fucking hell. So Kevin kind of, the narrator kind of says, you know, it's time to really buckle down and get serious. As we go back to the house, Kevin's studying at the table. We see Jack in a nice suit. He's ready to meet the owner, or the bank, the owner, probably, and Norma's cutting up probably something for dinner. So Jack kind of is like, hey, honey, how do I look? I'm in my suit. And she turns around, stops doing what she's doing. She's like, oh, honey, you look so handsome. And he's like, well, I bet you never thought you'd be looking at the owner of a furniture business. <laughs> this is so cute. That's what my dad was doing. How do I look? You look very handsome. I bet you never thought you'd see me in a furniture business. <laughs> After 24 hours of constant negotiations, Mom had finally accepted Dad's plan. Here you go. Not that she was completely happy about it. I just hope it all works out. You don't know Mom a lot more than competent. set out to become a one-man industry. <laughs> My mother became a one-woman bitch-o-matic. Mom, I'm trying to study. Hmm? Could you keep it down a little? Oh, sorry. So as Jack heads off, Norma just goes, She before he does leave out the door, she's like, I just hope you know what you're doing. Because they did kind of negotiate and talk about it. We didn't see that conversation, but it probably happened behind closed doors. Um, and she's like, I just hope you're sure about this thing. You know, I believe in you. He's like, I'm more than just competent. I'm like, yes, honey, I know that you're more than competent. There's a lot riding on this, though. So, yeah, good luck. 
He leaves. Norma goes back to chopping up vegetables, but now she's doing it, cutting the carrot or whatever with so much force. Poof, poof, poof. And Kevin, who's studying at the kitchen table, is like, Mom, Mom. And she's like, oh, what? Can you keep it down? I'm trying to study. And I'm thinking in the back, Kevin, there are umpteen other rooms you could go and study. Your room, the dining room, the basement. I'm sure it's not Wayne's bedroom anymore. So, um, yeah, Kevin decides to study in his room. Like, here, I got all my stuff, got my books laid out, my notebook, my, my, uh, my pencils, my open drink, which will just as easily be spilled all over my work, because where's the cap for that? There should be a cap that you can just put on top, or a screw cap, because one knock of that, because he's got it right by where his papers are, that is going to go all over the place. I bet we don't see that happen, though. Oh, of course, what drives Kevin from the kitchen is Norma starts the blender. She's, like, working her frustrations and her anger out on whether she's chopping up the carrot or she's working the blender. Just, ugh, just, ugh. So as Kevin's studying, I thought he was in, he's not in his bedroom. Oh, he probably has a little TV. Well, maybe he decided to come out of the living room and watch some TV for a bit. Because he's watching Let's Make a Deal. Yeah, Kevin's taking a study break. Well, it doesn't really count because I don't even think he cracked open that book yet. Kevin's sipping on some soda. I don't see any chips. Maybe he already finished them. So Kevin's like, I just want a study break for 10 minutes. And Norma, who's setting up the dining room table for for what? Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm thinking of something here. Although she does say, Kevin, please, you've been watching that TV for three fucking hours. What's up? I thought you were studying. Is she setting... Does this episode kind of blend into... The other one, because it's almost like she's setting up dinner for having company over. I just needed a ten minute break, okay? <laughs> okay! Thank you! <laughs> Honey, we've been watching TV for three hours. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to turn it off right now. Is it behind door number one? Or door number two? Or door number three? Your father should have been home an hour ago. Maybe got held up. After all, we were talking about Dad here. He probably signed the deal, stopped off to buy some champagne, and was coming home the conquering hero. Hey, Dad. Hi, honey. How'd it go? Lousy. Or maybe just the conquered. So, Norma's setting the dining room table. She is a bit stressed because she says, your father should have been home an hour ago. And Kevin in his mind is thinking, well, it's dad. You know how it is. You know, he probably got, you know, in his mind he's thinking, dad probably signed the deal. Now he's going to come home and celebrate. But no, Jack comes home in a huff. He's pissed off. Throws his briefcase down in a chair and heads to the kitchen probably to fix himself a stiff drink. Uh, clearly it did not go well and Norma's like, well, how did it go? And he's like, lousy. Like, shit. What happened? 
So Jack's in the kitchen. Norma kind of comes up, puts a hand, you know, kind of on his back to be supportive. And he tells her, at first I thought he was going to do his, I don't want to talk about it type thing, which he doesn't. He tells her that the whole thing just fell apart. Oh, shit. And Norma's like, well, well, how? And he says, well, for one thing, it's going to cost three times more than what I thought it $15,000. Like, so if that's three times, so... Well, he was maybe thinking maybe a few thousand or something. I mean, he's going... He would go in with uh, Charlie, I thought. <laughs> or is Jack's half 15000 Like, maybe the total amount is like 30000 I can't see Jack having $15,000 stowed away. And not to mention, he's still paying on a mortgage. I mean, if, I don't know what the mortgages were like if they're 15 years or 30 years or how that worked. But for him to try to get a loan like that on top of, you know, him already mortgaging his house, I don't know how that would work. I mean, for those of you that have seen the show and listened to the podcast, you know that I covered the let Nothing You Dismayed Christmas episode, which does finalize this little storyline. Kind of wraps it all up as far as Jack does first get turned down from the loan. Charlie decides to, it's too much of a risk. He goes back to Norcom and Jack continues to pursue it. You know, he crunches numbers, but he tells Norma, like, I don't know how this is even going to work. I've been over these numbers, these figures, and there's just no way we can do this. And at the end of the Christmas episode in season six, Norma says she herself went down to the bank and told them what kind of a man that Jack is and everything, that he'll come up with the money. And apparently the bank bought that. Like, because Jack says, I have nothing that's collateral to put down. And apparently Norma worked her charm and, you know, we see that he has the furniture company at the end of the show. And Jack just saying, Norma, we can't afford this. With, And he does the first thing he brings up, the mortgage, the car payments, as in he's probably paying on not just his car, but maybe... Norma's as well, but then there's also Kevin's college. Wayne's not going to college, so he's at least he's safe with that. Otherwise, if that were the case, there really would be no if wait he were paying for Wayne to go to college, there'd be he would not even be considering this deal, I don't think. But he's just like Kevin's gonna be going to college in a little over a year and a half. So we have that to think about. I I feel bad for Jack. It almost feels like he's kind of backed up against the wall. He wants to get on a Norcom. He wants to do something different. He's been at Norcom for over 20 years. He wants to get away from that grind. He would like to be his own boss. But circumstances, money is always going to be the bottom line. It always boils down to money. That pretty much decides whether or not you can do that. I mean, say if Kevin were, like, a little kid, maybe they could borrow a smidge and just rebuild that back up in time. But Kevin's going to college in, like, a year and a half. There's no way in hell they'd be able to dip into that 
to even try to cover the furniture thing, they're, they're just, and, and try to build that back up in that amount of time. There'd just be no way. So, Jack's pretty much saying to Norma that he is re kind of regretting his decision. Like, what what was I thinking? Trying, thinking I could leave Norcom and try to pursue this. And I love Norma. She's a supportive wife. She just brings up, honey, when we first got married, we didn't have two nickels to rub together. I don't want to see you give up on this dream. We made it before. We can make it again. And he kind of looks at her, you know, and I'm sure there's a, a spark there of, you know, I'm sure that he loves that his wife is emotionally supporting him in his decision. But he just finally says, honey, I, I got to go back to Noricom. And Kevin says, you know, that was the first time that he saw that look in his dad's eyes of regret. I feel so bad for Jack. I really, really do. But, I mean, think about it. When they freaking got married, you know, and then they had Karen, then they had Wayne, then they had Kevin. Karen's not a dependent anymore. She's often married. I mean, yes, they still have the house, the car payments, and... You know, he's probably still paying on that one car from, uh, uh, season three. And, you know, Kevin's college fund and everything like that, but there's just nothing to really borrow against. And he decides, you know, honey, I'm sorry. I, I gotta go back to Norcom. And he kind of just walks past Kevin in the doorway, doesn't even really say anything to him. He's just really downcast and I feel bad for him and Norma just kind of watches him walk away and she even feels helpless is like what else can I say I don't want him to give up on this dream and I fully support him you know it's almost like sometimes when things would get a little tight for Jeremy and I and I would be like don't worry this is a rough patch 
things are going to work out. We just got to like keep plugging away at it. We got to try to keep our heads above water, do what we have to do. Things are going to get better. When Jeremy just graduated from ITC Tech, he was looking for a job and it took a few months. But in that meantime, while he was looking, things were starting to dwindle, you know, and, and we were newly married. We were still living in, in the townhouse and everything like that. But eventually, I forgot what this is. Like, there's always a silver line or the fact that you can only fall so far before eventually things have to get better. But um, Kevin's kind of laying in bed, and I think this is where he might have that dream about being on Let's Make a Deal. And one of the choices is being like his father and working at NORCOM and just seeing the how hard it's been for his dad and what it's put him through emotionally, physically, over 20-plus years. dressed in a cap and gown like graduation cap and gown and he's got like this giant fake pencil and the host of the let's make a deal saying hey kevin which door do you want to choose one two or three and kevin chooses i think it was the first was it the second one that was the second anyway turns out that's like oh you've won uh 20 years at norcom and you're gonna be miserable just like your father and then of course here's what you could have if you'd have chosen number three you would have gotten a donkey oh and if you'd have chosen number one or whatever you would have been living the good life college edu education trips to hawaii a great girl we see winnie and paul there paul is in like a captain suit all, all decked out, and Winnie's just, they're both drinking, like, mimosas or, or Bloody Marys or something like that, <laughs> and Kevin's just feeling like he's under the pressure here. Uh, now we move to school the next day, and the boys are all in the bathroom, 
It's, I think it's the start of the school day, or maybe it might be the middle of the school day. Okay, this is the day before the test. Gotcha. Okay. Chuck, Chuck's coming out of the bathroom, so he's probably been in there taking a shit, flipping through that book on SATs. Ew. This reminds me of that Seinfeld episode where George was taking books into the bathroom and then returning them. Ugh. Oh, <laughs> uh, as Kevin's in there washing his hands, we got Jeff. I believe it's Jeff is talking about there's a code that if you can beat it or something that you can get all the answers to the SATs. And Randy's kind of got some inside information on this, too. So I'm going to play this clip. Jeff and Randy are all talking about these ways to, like, break the code and cheat and these supposed rumors. Paul comes in for one split-second scene, and he's like, I can't believe you guys with these rumors. You need to be buckling down and studying. And Kevin kind of faces off with Paul for a second, like, why should we let this one damn test define our lives? And why should we have to be so stressed out about it? And, of course... Chuck and Randy just go, rah, 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 you know, the chicken sound. And Jeff kind of pats Kevin on the back and says, nice try, nice try. Trying to make us feel like it's just any old test. And I didn't even see Paul leave the bathroom. He must have, like, just set his line and got the fuck out of there. But Kevin's walking out of school, and he just wants to put the test out of his mind, even though it's the night before the test, and surprise, surprise, somebody shows up! His dad, which is 
interesting because I don't think he's ever shown up to, like, pick Kevin up from school. Maybe they'll take a drive and talk and stuff, and maybe his dad will give him some insight about, you know, the SATs, when he took them, if he took them. Yeah, Kevin's dad says, hey, you know, do you want to take a, a ride with me? And Kevin's, like, surprised, like, hey, dad, what are you doing? He's, like, he's got a smile in his voice, and you can see it's, like, he's surprised yet happy expression on Kevin's face. And he's, like, well, I have my car. And Jeff's, like, well, we'll, we'll get it. I'll drop you back off, and you'll get it later. So... Jack's driving, and he says that he wants to talk to Kevin about a couple things, and he talks about um, the pressures of being the head of the family and everything, and he pulls into, I thought they're, like, going to get burgers or ice cream or something. Oh, they're going to a drive-thru. No, they um, stop in front of this building. Like, where are they at? They're not at Norcom. No, Jack says, this is my new company. I thought we'd take a look around. Like, oh, sweet! I'm so excited! I'm so happy for Jack. I really, really am. Killing me. So I left. 
say? They said goodbye. I mean, it's not a whole lot. He says that the the work crew, which is an amazing crew, they kind of knocked off for the day. And he says they're they're really, really great. And he wants to show Kevin, you know, where his office is and everything like that. And and Kevin kind of asks, well, Dad, do you know anything about furniture? And, and Jack's like, well, I don't yet, but I'm really ready to learn. So I like that he's taking this new venture. Yes, it is a risk, but you know, and Kevin's like, "Well, what happened to um a Norcom?" And Jax tells him, "Well, you know, I had to, I had to get out of there. Norcom was killing me." And Kevin's like, "Well, what did they say when you left?" And Jack just looks at Kevin. It's like they said goodbye. I'm thinking, yeah, they didn't throw him a party, even though he'd been there over 20 years. No. In their eyes, I'm sure they saw Jack as expendable, as probably a lot of places do. Like, they can drop you and find ten other people just like you that will clamor over your body to have your position. Um, and Kevin kind of asks his dad, like, Dad, are you scared? And Jack's like, nah. yeah, a little. A little bit. So... Yeah, and just, you know, what Norma said kind of got to Jack. Like, you know, she believes in him. You know, we'll we'll make it work. Whatever it takes, we'll do it. Remember um, in the season two Christmas episode how she wanted to, even though Jack was saying we cannot afford a color TV, and she's saying, honey, we'll just, we'll eat hot dogs for a month. For, wait, a week? I think it was a week. And he's like, whatever it takes to do it, we'll do it. And he's like, no, not not this year, honey. And she was kind of saying how she was, like, picturing her and the kids and just them as a family just sitting around watching this color TV. And um, at the end of that episode, Kevin says, well, Dad did get us that color TV. 
three years ago, of course. So, um, Kevin, at, what do you say, 8 a.m., he sits down with 70-some other kids to take the SATs, and they have, like, two kids at a desk. They see Chuck ends up breaking his pencil. Um, Paul, he's, like, sharpening, like, at least five or ten pencils there. Uh, Jeff's kind of, like, rubbing. He's probably just waking up. This is 8 a.m. And, um, when he's kind of looking over at Kevin, she smiles. He kind of smiles back. Like, you know, we're here. This is really happening. And, um, and Randy is all, like, kind of, you know, banging his pencil on the table and stuff. You know, nerves. They're nervous. And, of course, the lady tells them when they finish a section, do not move ahead to the next. Because she probably wants to explain it to them. <laughs> Guys, again, I want to apologize for the coughing throughout, you know, the clips and just talking and stuff. I really do apologize. I really hope with my doctor's appointment coming up, we'll be able to get a handle on this, whether it's seeing a specialist because I can't stand this coughing anymore and this reflex coughing or whatever it's called. It's really getting me down. It's wearing me out. I just feel just exhausted from it. And now it feels like it's affecting my work and I don't like that. But I do want to, even though you did hear this in the clip, I do want to do the quote. I always like to do the beginning and then, of course, the end. So, Adult Kevin, narrator. That afternoon, Dad and I took the tour. We talked furniture. We talked life. We made plans. See, I like that. I really do like that. <laughs> and the next morning at 8 a.m., 78 students gathered in the McKinley cafeteria to take what was supposed to be the most important test of their lives. Everyone had a different way of coping that day. Some were more effective than others. But for all the risks and choices, I was one step ahead of them. After all, I knew that this was just one test in thousands I'd be taking in my life. None of them final. None of them irrevocable. And the way I saw it, maybe life was at, maybe life was a risk. But this time, I was ready. So that is the quote there. As far as for my wonder, wonderling, ugh, guys, I cannot talk. Um. <laughs> Flower Power episode rating. I'm going to give this one a 3 out of 5. The only two things I I didn't really care for were I didn't like Chuck. It annoyed me to no end. Um, and Paul being extra whiny. It's almost like they only have him in a, some scenes in some episodes and he's always... I mean, you know, we know how Paul is, but he just seems like they've, like, upped him up a few notches into the whiny, I'm just here to complain, and not be really affected. It just seems like they brought in Jeff, like I've called him Paul 2.0, to be what Paul used to be back in the first couple, you know, few seasons. You know, the voice of reason and stuff like that, and giving Kevin advice. So it's almost like they're using Paul now as just an after effect. Like, oh, yeah, Paul's still hanging around. We don't see him as much, but, like, come on. You can use him better than that. I, don't get me wrong, I do like Jeff. I honestly think G Giovanni Ribisi is a 
great actor. I loved him in The Other Sister, him playing a mentally challenged adult. But at sacrificing Paul, I don't know. But I am going to give a shout out. Oh, Wonderling Words of Wisdom. Right. Sorry, guys. It's getting on time for me to shortly head out the door in a bit. But, um, yeah, Wonderling Words of Wisdom. Honestly, yes, people do make career choices over time. And that's within their right. But, as Jack says, when you are the head of the household, you have responsibility and to your family, and those decisions, especially when you're changing a career or going into a different field, especially when you're going to have to start way at the bottom. You're going to be your own boss, but it's going to take more money to eventually make more money down the road. That's something that, and I love that Norma was very supportive. I mean, if Jeremy, like I said, if he wanted to do a different line of work or find a different job somewhere, it would definitely be a conversation we would need to have. We would need to weigh the pros and cons and all of that good stuff. So that is my wonderling words of wisdom. Just listen to your spouse. Don't make hasty decisions. Communicate. So let's say hey to some wonderling podcast listeners. We have Chicago... Chicago, Illinois, Atlanta, Georgia, Des Moines, Iowa, San Jose, California, Miami, Florida, Los Angeles, California, Denver, Colorado, Omaha, Nebraska, Dallas, Texas, Seattle, Washington, Anchorage, Alaska, El Cerrito, California, Honolulu, Hawaii, San Francisco, California, Key Biscayne, Florida, New York City, New York, Rexburg, Idaho, Oxford, Ohio, Castro Valley, California, Salem, Oregon, Green Bay, Wisconsin, Greensboro, North Carolina, Milpitas, I'm sorry for mispronounce, California, Phoenix, Arizona, Alameda, California, Queenstown, Maryland, Fremont, California, Calgary, Canada, Little Rock, Arkansas, P- Piscataway, New Jersey, Mountain View, California, Brazil, Buffalo, New York, Brazil, Chevy Chase, Maryland, that's interesting, Virginia Beach, Virginia, Dubai, United Arab Emirates, India, Pakistan, Union City, California, Canada, Harrison, New Jersey, Houston, Texas, Montreal, Canada, Graysonville, Maryland, Dubois, Pennsylvania, Dubois, Washington, D.C., Overland Park, Kansas, Pakistan, and Durban, South Africa. All right, let's talk about the next episode coming up. Let's see. Sorry for hiccuping in the microphone. Alright, well, the next episode, because we've already done the Let Nothing You Dismay, we did that in December, and then, of course, New Year's, I did that on New Year's Eve. Alice in Autoland, I am not jazzed about this episode. (laughs) I don't like that Alice girl, I do not like her. I hope that they made her less whiny, but I doubt it. Season 6, episode 
12, Alice in Autoland, January 13th, 1993 is when it aired. When Kevin starts having car trouble, on oh, damn it, he didn't even have that car that long. He got that like a season ago from his grandfather. Oh, man, Kevin, are you not putting maintenance into this vehicle? <clears throat> he asks Alice Pidermeer, I can't even pronounce her name, to try and get him a good deal on a new car at her dad's dealership. However, when she dumps his friend Chuck, Kevin has second thoughts about accepting anything from her. Chuck, you're dating Chuck. All right. This title is based on the Lewis Carroll book, Alice in Wonderland. Great. Is there a white rabbit? I doubt it. All right, guys. Have a great Friday and a great weekend. I hope the weather is cooperative for you. Enjoy the colors of the leaves before they start to get really dull. They should be at about peak right now. Which even now I notice they're starting to fade a bit. But, um, all right. See you next week. Bye-bye.